So I know it's summertime. How many of you love going to the beach? A couple of you guys. I know my wife, she loves going to the beach. I actually love going to the boardwalk, not really to be by the sand or, or the water too much. It's really for the funnel cake, you know, the funnel cake, the, the fried Oreos and all the fun stuff that you could get in the boardwalk. But my wife, she loves the beach. Of, of course, there's so many people that love swimming in the ocean. Do you love swimming in the ocean? Raise your hand. There's going to be a picture behind me right there of a beautiful ocean there. Some of you are getting excited right now. Don't dive into the screen. For those of you watching social media, that's just the screen. But the ocean is a big thing. But some of us might say, you know what? For me, it's not the ocean. It's actually a river. If I see a great river, pretty much the next picture right there. If I see a great river, I would love to dive into it. Any of you? River? How many of you are like, nah, I'm not jumping in there. I, there was more no's than yes for the river. What about a lake? Okay. The next picture, a lake there, a beautiful lake. How many of you would do the lake? How many of you wouldn't do the lake at all? Raise your hand. I have to say, I do remember, I do remember one time uh, I, I was in a lake and this was my first, you know, I was born and raised in Elizabeth, and um, all I had was the Elizabeth River. That's type scary, you know, like you, you, you learn, you know, to respect water. So all I know is that the first time I was in a lake, I was swimming in the lake, and no joke, there was a snake going right on the surface of the lake. Yo me quería salir de ese lake, so ese lago so bad, yo. I wanted to go out. I pretty much jumped in the boat as fast as possible. It's like, you know, it's not for me. But the lake, and some of you is like, you know what, Carlos? I'm not into the ocean. I'm not into the river. I'm not into the lake. Give me a pool. How many of you, a nice pool right there to relax? Yeah, that's the only one that got an applause, right? All the others like, nah, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. A pool? It's like right now some of you are willing to go to a pool right after service. It's like a pool is your way to go. And some of you might be sitting here and saying, you know what, Carlos? It's not the ocean. It's not the river. It's not the lake or the pool. The only thing I would ever jump into is my own bathtub with my rubber ducky. Right there, the next picture. That's all you see yourself doing, being in a bathtub with the rubber ducky and just hanging out there. That's the only place you find safe. Any amens for that one? Because we got some applause for the pool, but I know some of you got rubber duckies that like, you go to the shower with right there. So right there, we, we see that obviously there's different ways that you could enjoy the water that we could have. But I don't know if you know, and after I share this, some of you are like, yo, I'm not going to be taking any showers or going into any waters for a long time. I don't know if you know, but there's actually a dangerous flesh-eating bacteria that can be found pretty much in all of the places I've pretty much mentioned, some more than others, depending on the season or location as well. This, these environments too will get people sick, and 30% that get exposed to the flesh-eating um, bacteria, 30% of the people end up dying from it. There was actually someone that got exposed to it in New Jersey not too long ago. There was a big article about it. Some of you might remember it. Some people actually, some articles say that some of the most dangerous locations are places, um, swimming pools, and uh, uh, places where you have like uh, rides and stuff that have to do with, with water. And believe it or not, even a hot tub, a hot tub could be a location where this could occur. When it happens, what has to take place is that you have to take antibiotics, and they actually have to remove the part that's infected with the bacteria. So a lot of people sometimes get amputated and or, or whatever it may be, but it's removed because they try to kill the bacteria that's taken place. 
Now, I know some of you are thinking, he's like, you know what, Carlos? It's like, I'm not going in nothing. I'm not going in nothing. I haven't taken a shower. Probably you're thinking like about 30 days. Now it's going to be 90 days. I hope that's not true, but I hope you took showers. But all I know is that obviously this isn't like, it's low cases that occur, but the possibility is there. What's amazing too is that all it needs is a thin entrance point to be able to get in. Like even to point a paper cut. If you have a paper cut on your finger, is enough for you to be exposed to this bacteria if the bacteria is in the location that you're in. Today, we're ending this month's series, The Promise of His Presence. And everything I shared in the beginning, I promise you I'm going to get back to it a little later in the end. Throughout the month, we've learned different, different uh, angles of God's presence, the Holy Spirit, and how God's presence works and impacts people's lives, and you're able to listen to them. And how Alex mentioned, we encourage you to listen to the podcast, listen to our teachings. Something that we do is we keep our teachings where you could go back years and listen to different messages. And also we have a YouTube channel that you could tune into. Something that's really powerful is that the Holy Spirit has been active, of course, from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What's amazing, too, is that I know that God also finds our lives formless, empty, and in darkness. And God comes and he hovers over our lives and he creates new things as well. You know, something that's interesting when it comes to that word hovering in scripture, there's a word, the Hebrew word depicts when a bird is sitting in its nest with pretty much the eggs, waiting for the babies to hatch. So it's almost like uh, the picture of this word hovering is God's presence upon the world, on the earth, and let's say upon our lives, trying to bring new life, trying to birth something new so that it could come to life. So when you see that, it's not the fact that the Holy Spirit was just hovering over the waters, just gliding over the waters, um, just, let's say, having fun or something like that. No, no, no. Pretty much, he was going over the waters, ready to give birth of the creation that was going to take place in Genesis. But what's amazing is that God hovers over us, over our lives, wanting to give birth as well. And that's something we can never, never forget. You see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation has come. Uh, and then it says, the old has gone, the new is here. Right there, even the phrase, the new is here, that phrase signify a transition is taking place. A transition is taking place. Pretty much things can't stay the same from where it was before because of the Holy Spirit being active and you deciding to surrender your heart and life to Jesus, nothing could be the same. And I've shared in the past, like even my story, I wasn't raised going to church. When I was 18 years old, someone invited me to church. I pretty much went and I don't even know why I went. I came into the church and honestly, I was making fun of everything I saw because to me, it was weird. Like I was like, why are they waving at the wall while the people are singing songs like this? Like I wasn't raised where you raised your hand during worship and everything was just different for me. And I was sitting there and I know deep down inside, I might've been joking and seeing the different things around me, but I knew there was something missing. 
And all of a sudden, when there was an invitation to give my heart to the Lord, I knew I needed God, even to the point my hand was up, even before processing it, I looked over and I saw my hand up. I gave my life to the Lord, and I actually thought that was it. I thought that was the end of the story. You just surrender your life to God at that moment when you pray, and then it ends. But the reality is, that was just the beginning of the new life God wanted me to be on. And the transition had to take place. The old had to leave and the new had to come. And I'm there trying to figure out what's happening. And I remember talking to my friend and asking him, it's like, what do I do now? And he just reminded me, he's like, Carlos, you need to surrender your heart, surrender everything to God and allow him to transform you, leaving your old life behind and bringing you to the new place that God wants you to go to. Even at that point, I didn't see how it was going to turn out, but little by little, I noticed God changing me from the inside out. And I know you do as well. But what's amazing is that sometimes we want to put a halt to the change that God wants to do because the change takes place as we surrender. But sometimes we don't want to surrender. The first major point I want you to realize today is that you can't receive a new life while holding on to your old life. You can't receive the new life while holding on to your old life. Some of us want it like to like have it your own way, like Burger King style Christianity. Some of us want to dilute what it means to follow Jesus, and you pretty much create a different Christianity where you could say you love Jesus, but you're holding on to your past with both of your hands and your heart. You can't hold on to your old life and expect God to give you the new life. Some of us at this very moment live more in our old life than in the new life that God has given us. Some of us at a certain part in our past, we gave our heart and lives to God. We started in the journey in the new life, but we were too busy looking back, glancing back, almost like Lot's wife. And all of a sudden you end up going back and staying back there, staying where you were rescued from. And a lot of times we stay there for so many different reasons, and we actually think we're experiencing freedom, but in reality, we're experiencing chains and prisons and death because that is not where God wants us to go. I don't know where you are today, but God wants to transform you. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 to 24, it says this, If you have heard of him and have learned from him, put away the old person you used to be. Then it says, have nothing to do with your old sinful life. It was sinful because of being fooled into following bad desires. Let your minds and hearts be made new. You must become a new person and be godlike. Then you will be made right with God and have a true holy life. Here, you clearly say, uh, see how it says, put away the old person you used to be. And I love how it says, have nothing to do with your sinful life. Your old sinful life have nothing to do with it. Some of us want to have a relationship with Jesus, but date sin. Some of us want to have the benefits of knowing God, but enjoy the pleasures of sin. Some of us don't want to let go of our past, and we're holding on to our past as if it's just part of us. And we're choosing not to surrender and give it to God. And what's amazing too, it says here, it says, um, let your minds and heart, hearts be made new. I love the fact that it says let, because it's your choice. Every single day you have a choice to either follow God or to follow the ways of the world. 
So you could choose the old way or the new way that God wants to lead you in. You know, some of us just want to be able to keep everything, the baggage from the past, without, follow, without letting it go as we try to follow God. But I have a question for you. How many of you truly want the new life that God has for you? How many of you truly want that new life? Because with that new life, it requires sacrifice. It requires you to surrender. It hurts. It requires you to give up things. I remember as clear as day when that transitioning was happening. And I used to, the the people I used to hang out with before I came to Jesus, they weren't the influence that I really needed in my life at that time, if you know what I mean. And I remember my friends coming, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm still friends with them up to this day, our relationships, like, you know, we stayed as friends. It's just we didn't hang out anymore the way that we used to hang out. So pretty much they used to come pick me up. And I remember as clear as day when I was like 18, 19 years old, being inside my house and they pull up to the driveway to pick me up. And I heard God whisper in my heart, you're staying home today. You're staying home today. So all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is trying to guide me into the new life. But of course, I, part of me wants the old life. And I had to make a choice at that moment. Sometimes I look back and I, sometimes we don't realize how those choices of those moments impact our destiny. Because imagine if I would be like, Holy Spirit, I'm not staying home. I'm going to be with them. And I just don't do that just once. Do it two, three, three times, four times, five times. It becomes a pattern in my life where I choose the world over the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where I would be today. I could tell you this, I wouldn't be standing here in front of you because God would have not had the opportunity to transform me from the inside out. And for each of us, we need to hear that whisper and obey that whisper because the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you into that new life. And I remember when I heard that whisper, literally what ended up happening was I told, uh, I believe it was my sister or it was my mom, one of them. I said, just tell them I'm not home. I, I, like, I was still a work in progress. I, I lied at that moment. But I just said, just tell me I'm not home. I just sat down on the ground. And I was like, I can't even believe I'm doing this. Like, you know, to me, I was in that struggle of being torn in the middle in that battle. But that battle is pretty much the point of transformation. Some of us listen more to the voices and the influences of TikTok and Instagram, and the, what the world has to say than the Bible. Some of us might say we read the Bible, but we obey what we listen in the social media. You know, it's like we have to realize is that whatever voice we bow down to in our hearts is the voice that we obey. So if you listen to other voices, and I don't care what voice it is, if it doesn't line up to the scriptures in the Bible, it's a voice you shouldn't listen to and obey because the Bible is the ultimate authority. You see, this is the thing that we need to realize. Second point, the Holy Spirit will bring this new life through conviction, through conviction. It's not going to be behind you, but in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And one of the statements he says is this, he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of sin. And the word convict pretty much means to expose and reprove, like to correct and express the disapproval. Like that's not the right way to go. So the Holy Spirit will expose it and let you know, it's like, hey, that's not the path that you need to go. Of course, he does it lovingly, and it's still your choice to decide, but he's going to, you could say, put you on blast in your own heart and say, you know what? You don't, you're not going out tonight like with your friends if you want to be on this journey with me, but it's your choice. 
is your choice. And we need to be sensitive to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit because he's trying to lead us and guide us. And we have to make certain decisions. Now, the major thing we, we need to realize is that he's going to convict sin. So what is sin? Okay. Sin is not doing what God wants. Sin is not doing what God wants. God wants us to do certain things, and when we don't do it, it's sinning. So sin is disobedience. Now, I know so many of us, when we think of sin, we think, you could say, of the big ones, like, uh, you know, murder, you know, murder, or stealing, or robbing, or sexual sins. Like, all of a sudden, like, you, 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 we, we paint the picture, we highlight those automatically, and don't get me wrong, those are all sins. But I even want to broaden your picture of what sin is because sin is not doing what God wants you to do. So it's a sin not to love. When you choose not to love someone because God calls us to love, you're sinning. Think about that. When you choose not to love your enemy, you're sinning. Another one too, choosing when you choose not to pray, it's sinning because God calls us to pray. We need to pray. You know, that's something God wants us to do. When we choose not to pray, we're being disobedient and we're sinning. God calls every single one of us to prayer. Prayer is not just for the pastors and for the leaders. It's for anyone that chooses to have God as the Lord of their lives. When you choose not to serve, it's sinning. When you choose not to give, it's sinning. When you choose not to forgive, it's sinning. I've had so many times Christians like, no, you know what, Carl's? I'm never going to forgive them. All right, so you're going to live in sin. It's like we, we quickly think in our minds, like, it's okay for us to keep certain things in our lives. It's okay for us to decide what sin is and what sin isn't. Because the world is quick to tell you what sin is and what sin isn't. There are certain things the Bible says as clear as day, it's a sin, but the world says it's okay. And some of us are listening to the world, cheering the world on that the obvious sins According to scripture, it's okay. So for me, it's like, who's, or like your heart, who are you bowing down to? Are you bowing down to Jesus as your authority? Or you're bowing down to what culture and society says? Because let me tell you something. The Bible trumps everything that happens in culture and society, okay? The culture and society they don't tell us what's right and wrong. They try to tell us what right and wrong is, but the scriptures is our anchor. But a lot of Christians today listen to the voices, listen to our own experiences, listen to what's convenient, listen to what's comfortable, listen to what is not going to ruffle feathers and just go with the flow of what the world wants instead of what God says. I don't know where you are today, but I know that so many times we obey the voices of the world and we've decided to have it our way type of Christianity. Pretty much, maybe you love Burger King so much it spilled into your Christianity. You know, you want to have it your own way. I, I, before the pandemic, I used to love going to buffets because buffets, you walk down that, especially if it's a Chinese buffet, I'm in there. So I love Chinese buffets. And so Jen hates them. So it, it always, you know, it gets a little tense sometimes. Um, so, so, but sometimes she goes with me. So we go to a buffet. I love buffets. You go down that line, you're like, yo, you want some general style? You want some boneless spare ribs? Nah, I must get the low main. Like, you know, you, you, you pick and choose what you want. When I said I skipped low main, some of you got sad right there. Some of like, I'm hungry right now. I wish I could have low main while listening to the message. For those of you watching at home, maybe you're doing that at this moment. So, so all of a sudden you pick and choose, but some of us, we live our Christian lives the same way. 
It's like, oh, Jesus, I'll definitely take some of your love. I'll take your love. Oh, forgiveness. Oh, especially if you know what I did Friday night. I'll take that forgiveness. Let me see what else. What else is there? Oh, peace. There's a lot of chaos and torment, mad drama in my casa, in the family. Let me get some peace. Wait, surrender? I'm not chill. I'm going to skip surrender. That's a little tough. What? I got to forgive the person that did that to me. I'm going to skip that forgiveness. That forgive, that's tough. That hurts my heart. You know, all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, we pick and choose what we want from the buffet line. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Think of it this way. It's almost like the Holy Spirit going before you. It's almost like, you know how sometimes you see a buffet line, the mom going before the kids and the mom choosing what the kid is going to eat? That's what the Holy Spirit should be doing and does in our lives if we let him. The Holy Spirit comes before we like, no, let me tell you, you definitely need, I know you want that, but this is what you need today. Let me give you some of this because you need to forgive. You need to surrender. You need to give that sin that you've been holding on to for since you were a teenager over to God. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit tells you what you need to chew on, what you need to meditate, what you need to digest, and what you need to give to the God because that's the thing. We need to give God everything. Our problem and what the devil wants us to do, because let me tell you something, Satan, he is not only someone that's looking to destroy you and kill you, but sometimes Satan becomes your greatest cheerleader. You don't think, we don't think about it that way. We always, you know, Satan, oh, he's, he, he's there to kill, steal, and destroy, which is true. But let me tell you, he dresses up like a cheerleader, and he's going to become the biggest cheerleader of your life when you start doing the things that he wants you to do. When he no longer has to whisper to you to walk that way because you already walked that way. So he's just cheering you on. He's, like, he's just pretty much just telling you, you're doing exactly what I would want you to do. Some of us, we need to realize that the enemy wants us to dilute what sin is. So many times we, we don't look at sin and say, hey, when you sin, you, you know, it's being disobedient before God and you have to ask God for forgiveness. A lot of us, we don't want to see sin like that. We want to see sin as a mistake. Oh, it's a mistake. It's okay. Let me tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, that mistake were nails that held him to the cross. They're not just mistakes. They're sins that separate us from God. And Jesus was held on the cross, really out of his own choice, out of his love for each one of us. But he died on the cross for every sin that we've done. I remember back then when, uh, when, I, when I first started the journey, there was a song that I used to love listening to. Um, and there were lyrics that said, I wonder if he still feels the nails every time I sin. And I remember that song, and I, I wasn't even planning to say that, but I remember that song as clear as day. And that song used to impact me so much because obviously none of us are perfect. We sin. But something I've said before, there's a big difference between someone that sins dusts themselves off and turns to God and surrenders everything and asks God to cleanse them and to clean them and you repent and you turn from your wicked ways and chase after God compared to someone that sins and doesn't care, accepts it, tolerates it, celebrates it, makes it seem like it's totally fine and just continues to walk as if it's not something that's destroying you. Not, not, not something that's affecting you, as if it's not something that Jesus died on the cross over. So there's, there's a big difference between those two types of people. Don't let Satan and the world dilute what sin is. Sin is being disobedient to God. Being disobedient to God. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, it says this, this Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy. I, I, I love that because number one, it's urging you. It's like, hey, you got to do this type of thing. And in the view of God's mercy, in the view of the cross, in the view of everything God has done for us, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I, I, I know Pastor Harold, like he, he says this all the time too, like just the fact that worship is your life. It's how you live worshiping God, living a life separate onto him, holy onto him. This is worship. Of course, we sing songs before the teaching. We, we sing songs uh, when we listen to Star 99.1 in your car, wherever you are. But tr- the true worship comes from a heart completely separated onto God. And it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world and be transformed. And so many times, like this is for Christians to know. Right now, this moment, some of us, our patterns or think of thinking is just like the world. You know, we're, we haven't been transformed and renewed our minds to think of the ways, the way that God would want us to see. And something that I love about this verse is even in the end where it says, then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So it's pretty much saying, hey, as long as your mind is thinking like the world, you're not going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. If the pattern of your mind is worldly, you're not going to be able to look and discern what God's will is. But then it says, if you transform your mind by renewing your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So, so many people, they're always really quick. I, I like, you know, like, oh, I want to know what God's will is for my life. If I would do a poll right now, not just with everyone that's in the church, but everyone watching the social media, even if I posted on my personal Facebook page, people, let's say people that don't even believe in God or, or go to church, if I post like, how many of you would love to know what God's will is for your life? I guarantee you that 99% of the people will be like, yeah, I want to know. I want to know what God's will is for my life. And everyone here sitting here, I believe you want to know too, what is God's will for your life? But you know what? It's not like some of us, we just want God to reveal it to us. And God says, okay, I'll reveal it to you, but you got to do your part. You have to allow yourself to be transformed so that you would be able to test and approve what his will is while you're walking in the every day of your life here on this earth. But if you're not willing to be transformed, and if you want the voices of the world to fill your hearts and minds and life, you'll never be able to test and approve God's will because your mind is going to be so confused on what is right, what is wrong, what's the path, what's the way that you're not going to be able to walk in the ways of the Lord. And I'm going to give you an example of that a little later as well. So you could either decide to conform or be transformed as your choice. So how come, how come we don't let go of sin? How come we don't let go of sin? Number one, pleasure. We won't let it go. Some of us enjoy sin too much to let it go. We justify it. It's like, oh, God understands. I need that sin in my life. You know, God doesn't give exceptions to allow you to sin. Sin kept Jesus on, uh, on the cross when he died for our sins, every sin that we've committed. So, so a lot of times we, we, we come up with excuses, we justify it. You know, like God understands that I have this unforgiveness, this anger towards people that I sin towards the person. God understands that I'm living sexually in this way and sinning before God with that. But he understands, he understands like what, what I need or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden, we come up with all these rationales in our own minds of what's acceptable and what's not, what the world says is okay. And all of a sudden, we've come to the conclusion that pleasure is more important than being obedient to God. And, and you know what? Some of us, uh, because, because of that dynamic, we might do things to make us feel a little better. You know, we might volunteer more. 
you know, we volunteer, we're involved in ministry, we, uh, we give more, we go to church every Sunday, we might even read the Bible every day, we might pray every day, but that sin that we enjoy as pleasure, that we know is being disobedient with God, we've accepted and consider it a pet sin. We made a little bed for it in our house, in our hearts and minds. We put a little bed, bed for it. Really, we tuck it in every day. Be like, you know what? This little pet sin, it's okay for our pet sin to stay inside our heart and mind. But God, through the Holy Spirit, clearly tells you and reminds you, hey, that has to change because that's holding you back from me bringing you to the place where you need to be. But in the end of the day, we choose not to listen to the voice of God because of pleasure. We'd rather have pleasure than be obedient. And some of us even celebrate the fact that we're being disobedient. Some of us don't care if we... If we sh- Like, what type of witness are we being to our family, to our friends, to people we see in social media, to people that might look up to us and follow us? It's like, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with me getting drunk and letting the whole world see. And I'm just giving you a couple little examples. We don't, so many times we'll see it as it's okay, but it's clearly a sin and it's disobedient. It's being disobedient before God. Another reason why sometimes we don't bring the sin before God is because of pride. We won't confess. Pride blinds us that there's problems and issues. When we, I don't know, like so many times I've seen situations where people cannot confess that they've done wrong. They, they, they don't want us to take a step back and say, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. You know, I messed up. The moment I see someone not willing to take ownership of sin and the wrong that they're doing without question to me, that's pride rising up in that person. Pride rising up saying, no, I don't need to give, I I don't need to apologize. I need to, I don't need to ask for forgiveness. I don't don't need to come before God. I I don't need none of that. And you know what you're saying? The moment you think that you don't need none of that, You're saying that you're more important than the relationship that's before you. You're more important than God. You feel like the whole world revolves around you and not God. And the last time I checked, Jesus is the one sitting on the throne. I never seen your sneakers up there, right? I never seen your shoes up there. You're not sitting on the throne of heaven. God is sitting on the throne of heaven. So the moment you're not willing, and so many times I sit in marriage counseling or or other counselor, whatever, and someone refuses to say that they have any part of contributing at all to the dilemma. Let me tell you, if I'm sitting in a room with two people, both of you have a part to play. Both of you did something or you could have done something to help prevent it from getting to this point. The moment one person chooses not to admit to anything, oh no, nothing, nothing. Obviously, I know that there's probably degrees, maybe, maybe it's 95%, 5%, but both parties are involved. Both parties need to ask for forgiveness to a certain degree. Like, you know what I mean? Like both parties are there for a reason. So for us, the moment we choose not to confess is pride. The last reason why sometimes sin is still in our life is pretty much we're in a prison. We can't get out. At least we think we can't get out. You know, the prison is the sin that we pretty much lived in and probably probably started as a pleasure. Then it became a prison. Maybe it started as just some drugs to have fun or some alcohol just to have fun. And then little do you know, you're addicted to it, and you're behind bars. You know, not bars in the prison that we have locally, you could say, but bars when it comes to emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and what your body craves. But I'm here to tell you if you have any type of addiction, and let me tell you, there's so many times we think when it comes to addiction, it's just when it comes to like drugs and alcohol, it could be sex. It could be uh, when it comes to eating. Like there's so many things that we could be addicted to that could st- 
steer us the wrong way from where God would want us to go, and we feel like we can't break that hold. I'm here to tell you that God could break every chain. God could break every, break you out of every single prison. God could tear down every wall that might be surrounding you. But you have to be willing to let go. You have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes to let God bring you in that journey of restoration. Whatever it takes. Counseling, programs, anything, anything that God could use to bring you that full healing and restoration to bring you to the place where he's called you to be. You know, there's benefits about obeying God. So many times people tell me, it's like, you know what? When you obey God, like you, you miss out on so much. I mean, I'm here to tell you that if you don't obey God, you're the one missing out. You're the one missing out. Because let me tell you, when you obey God, you experience the transformation that God has for you. You experience the transformation that God has for you. It's one of my points now. It's going to be behind you as well. So the second point is this. You close doors to the enemy and you live in victory. You close doors to the enemy. Because when you sin, you're inviting the enemy to come into your life. Let me tell you, not only into your life, but they start having access to your family, to your children, to your parents, their workplaces. Like, picture sin being this, like this building right now. Let's say like right afterwards, I decided, it's like, you know what? I'm going to leave every single door open in this building and everything is going to be okay. There's going to be no consequences to that. I mean, I think you quickly know, like, that's foolish to do, to leave every door open and just let anything happen to that. It's foolishness because all of a sudden there's going to be consequences to that. We think it's completely okay to have sin in our lives and open every door and give the enemy access to our lives and nothing is going to happen. We think nothing is going to happen, but it's foolishness. Of course something's going to happen. The third point is this. You're able to discern God's will and walk in your destiny. Going back to what I told you before, when you allow God to transform your mind, you're able to walk in God's will and discern what he has for you. Walk in your destiny. And destiny is not a destination. Destiny is what you do every single day. You get to walk in the path that God wants you to walk in. And I, I said this before too, just the fact, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to wait. Life is short. Life is short. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to chase after things of the world and find myself empty spiritually, emotionally, mentally. I want to maximize it every single day. And the way you do that is by staying close to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to guide your life and discern what he wants you to do. And the fourth point, you have the promise of eternal life with him. You have the promise of eternal life with him. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now, let me tell you something. So many times we see this as just like a miraculous prayer type of thing. It's like, no, 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 just, just pray. Just say, just say, you know, Jesus is your Lord. Accept him in your heart and you'll be saved. It's not, it doesn't work that way. If I'm praying and I'm declaring something, if I'm declaring something, I'm declaring it as it being truth. I'm declaring it as being like the reality of my life. I'm declaring it as a proclamation. I'm confessing it is pretty much saying that Jesus is the Lord of my life. And when you declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life, Guess who's in charge of your life? It's not a trick question. Jesus, don't be sleeping on me. I have a couple ushers with buckets of water that just like throw it on you. No, no, I'm joking. So it's, it's like, you know, if you declare that Jesus is the Lord, then Jesus is the Lord. 
if all of a sudden I'm sitting here and all of a sudden my heart is not surrendered, I have no intention to make Jesus my Lord, and I just bow my head and say, oh, whatever, let me get through this. You know, Jesus is my Lord, this and that. I'm not going to be saved. My heart is not surrendered. My heart wasn't into it. I truly didn't confess because for you to confess means you're confessing. It's the reality. It's the truth of your life. If you're not putting your life behind the statement you're saying, then there's no credibility to the truth that you're portraying to God, that you're letting him know. So with this, we need to realize that God wants you to declare that he's Lord. And the moment you declare that he's Lord, he'll take you on a journey beyond your greatest imagination, an adventure of transformation and leading you to places that you would have never even imagined, even if you were told ahead of time. I don't know if you know, but your body is mainly, your body is made, mainly made up of water. I don't know if you know that. Up to 60% of your human uh, adult body is made out of water. So if you're here, maybe some of you were sipping water before, you're probably like 61%. No, no, no. 60% is made out of water. The brain and heart are, ma- are made up of 73% water. Think about that. Your brain and heart is made out of 73% water. Your lungs are made up of 83% water. Your skin is made up of 64% water. Your, um, well, I'm sorry, your skin, well, yeah, your skin is 64% water. Your muscles and kidneys are 79% water. And even your bones are watery. Your bones are 31% water. So we're made up of a lot of water. I know in the beginning of my message, I was talking about how the Holy Spirit hovers. He was hovering over the waters, the formless, pretty much the darkness, everything that didn't have shape in the beginning, ready to give birth of new life. What's amazing is that when we choose to give our hearts to God, the Holy Spirit comes in just how he did in Genesis chapter 1, and he hovers over our hearts. He dwells in our hearts, hovers over our lives, ready to bring new life in us. The Holy Spirit is there to convict, to lead, to encourage, to steer, to guide you, to counsel you, and to lead you in the ways of the Lord. But this is the thing that we need to realize and never forget too, that more dangerous than the flesh-eating bacteria that I talked about in the beginning is sin. Sin doesn't just eat your flesh, you could say. Sin eats at your soul, your spirit, your mind, your emotions. It destroys you from the inside out. It leads you on paths that you would have never thought you would be in. So many times we bump into people and we see lives that are completely destroyed by sin. It didn't start like that from one moment to another. It started small, as small as a little cut from a paper on their finger that could get the flesh-eating bacteria if you're in certain types of waters physically. Sometimes it's a little cut in our hearts, mind, soul, spirit, that we allow that sin created to gain entrance into our lives. Sometimes we, how I said, we look at sin at the big things. Well, let me tell you, it's the paper cut sins that get you. The paper cut um, sins that you neglect, the paper cut um, sins that you choose not to address, the paper cut sins that you never bring to Jesus, the paper cut sins that you ignore, the paper cut sins that you tolerate and accept that it's okay, it's, it's, it's not hurting anyone, and it's not affecting anything. Let me tell you something. Worse than the flesh-eating bacteria, sin is creating torment in your life spiritually, and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. 
You know, in Ephesians chapter, uh, well, let me tell you even before that, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. It's like, when we, and that's why Jesus had to die. That's the payment. But this is the thing. When we choose to continue to sin, death starts to reign in our lives as well. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, it says this, do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. And I'm here to tell you, don't give the devil a sin paper cut. Because the very small sin that you think has nothing to do in affecting you is enough to give him a foothold to get entrance. And all of a sudden from that paper cut, I don't know if you've gotten like multiple paper cuts, like in one sitting. That's happened to me a couple of times. It's like the first one, ow, then ow, ow. Like you all of a sudden, you know, like, I know if, if that just happened to me, I'm sorry. That's just, it has happened to me. But like, you know, like all of a sudden you get a couple at a time, then all of a sudden it becomes something more than that. And we all know that if things don't get addressed, it gets infected. You know, the person you choose, you're choosing not to un, um, forgive and you're carrying that bitterness and anger in your heart, you got an infection worse than a physical one. You have a spiritual one that needs to be addressed, emotional one that needs to be addressed. And what's crazy that we, we need to remember too is this. Remember when I was talking about the flesh-eating bacteria in the beginning? Whenever we have sin in our lives and, or things that don't belong, with the flesh-eating bacteria, you need antibiotics and you need to get it cut, sometimes amputated from your life. Same thing when it comes to sin. Sin, instead of antibiotic, you need the blood of Jesus to cover you and to address the sin. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will sometimes go and point at certain things in your life and says, I have to amputate that out of your life. I need to cut that out because that's, that's what happened to me with the friends I used to hang out with. Clear as day, that's it. That day, the Holy Spirit told me, that's it, you're staying home. Your days of living that lifestyle has to end today if you want to follow me and you truly want me to be the Lord of your life. It has to end. I'm here ready to amputate that area of your life if you let me because I need to cut that out to bring you to where I need to bring you. And then in our lives right now, this moment, there's certain relationships that need to be amputated. There's certain sins in your life that needs to be amputated. Not certain sins. Any sins that you have today have to be taken out of your life. There's certain unforgiveness in your hearts that need to be amputated. It needs to be cut out. You need to forgive. You need to reconcile because the only one that you're hurting is yourself. Yourself. Here on the side, I know there's going to be some light that's going to be... given to me. You're going to see two vases here. And you see water here. I'm going to mix this up a little bit. Anyone wants to drink this? No? So here you see two containers. And obviously this is how God would want us. And remember I told you how we're up to 60% made out of water. So picture this being you. Or picture this being you. These two containers have nothing to do with a believer and an unbeliever. These are both Christians here for today's teaching. Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean that your life looks like this. You could be a Christian and your life could look like this. Not because God wants your life to be like this. It's because you've let sinful paper cuts grow in your life and completely take your life over. From the outside, we might look like we're okay. You come to church, you walk in, you smile. You know, you might give someone a pound. If you're still a little bit too nervous with COVID, you might from a distance be like, you know what, peace, and run and come inside, find your little spot. But you might smile from the outside, make everything that seem like it's okay. 
but the inside of your life looks like this. But you know what happens? We, we, we sometimes, you know, we wear a tie. You know, we, we, we try to look, uh, you know what I mean? We, we, we try to look right for the part, you know. I know that's not a good knot. We put a tie on because all of a sudden it's like, it looks like it's okay. You could fool people, but you can't fool God. God knows what you do in your room when no one's there. God knows every single place you've gone to. God looks and understands every site that you visited on the internet. God sees how you deal with every relationship. God knows every thought and meditation of your heart. But what's amazing with God is that there's no condemnation in Jesus. But, and God loves you the way that you are at the moment. But he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you the way that he found you. Because if he finds you like this, he's going to bring you to this place. He's going to bring you to this place. But you need to be honest with yourself. You need to remove your tie, remove pretty much whatever you artificially have on the outside, superficially, making seem like everything is okay. And you need to be real with yourself and understand that this is the way that your heart might be like. You know, at this moment, I wish that I had a, a way to hold all of your hearts in my hand at this moment. Maybe there is a way. Let me see. Let me see. Maybe there's a way I could hold all the hearts. Oh, look, some hearts. I got some hearts in my hand. I don't know where these hearts came from. All of a sudden, with the hearts that I have in my hands, I don't know which container you would fall in. Representing you, some hearts fall into this container. Some hearts fall in this one. I'm going to even mix this up a little bit, bring these hearts a little deeper down, and just bring it, mix it with the dirt. And when you think of this, remember when I told you with that verse that's hard for you to discern and test God's will when you have the patterns of the world? Picture this. Picture your heart being in this sin and in the patterns of this world and then trying to figure out what God wants you to do. These hearts are covered in darkness, covered in pretty much all the sin and torment that's, that it goes through. There's no way it could really figure out God's will. But all of a sudden, this one, you can. Now, let me tell you something with this. It's not like there's perfection here. None of us are perfect. We all mess up. We all sin every day. Like, you know, even when we don't even want to, sometimes we do. But how I told you, there's a big difference between someone that sins and comes before God and says, God, with your blood, cleanse me. I surrender my heart to you. Remove every sin from my life. Transform me from the inside out. I give you everything. There's a big difference with this compared to a Christian that doesn't care, doesn't come before God, doesn't think it's a big deal that they sin, doesn't confess their sins to God, doesn't reconcile with other people, doesn't forgive, entertains sin, lives the life of the world because what the world offers them, they like so much better. Here, there's a, diff a big difference between both of them. I don't know where you stand between these two. And as believers, we need to realize, never forget, this didn't happen overnight. If I start getting little scoops of sin, this dirt, symbolic of sin, and I start pouring it into this one, these little paper cuts of sin, I start pouring it in. This one will look like this one, just a matter of time as well. So right now at this moment, I don't know where you are in your walk with God. But all I know is that God wants to highlight, wants to bring conviction in our hearts through love, highlighting the areas that need to be surrendered before him. And we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to surrender everything to God. Some of us haven't been taking our relationship with God 
as main priority. Some of us have been playing games with God, thinking it's a nice luxury to know about him and to be a part of our lives in that way, but I wanna live somewhere else. Let me tell you something. As you can tell up here, there's only two containers here. I didn't bring a third container so that you could have a little combo special of however you want your life to be like. No, no, no. You choose today who you're going to serve and who your heart belongs to. You either choose your heart. You could say you're a Christian all you want, but your actions speak louder than your words. And if your actions is entertaining sin and living for the world and following the patterns of the world, I have news for you. You could say that Jesus is the Lord of your life, but your actions has clearly declared that your heart and life belongs to the world. And the God of this world is not Jesus, it's Satan. So you might say that you're a Christian, but your, your Lord is really the enemy. You might, you know, you'll never say it or declare that, of course, but all I got to see is where your footsteps, who you're following. You have to decide where your heart is going to go. If everyone could bow their heads even now, if you're here today and you just know that your heart needs to be surrendered to God, you just know that you don't want to have one foot in the world and one foot with God. You just know that the Holy Spirit is even whispering to you at this moment, letting you know of the areas or the things that need to change you just know that it's time to allow God to transform you from the inside out. You need to surrender everything. Some of us, it might just be a paper cut um, sin that you think it's not even a big deal, but all of a sudden you realize today that that very sin is leading you in a path of destruction. For some of us, it's a pain that we've been holding in our hearts of unforgiveness, and you have to choose to forgive, and today you're going to choose to forgive. For some of us, we might have never declared that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, and you want to declare it now before God and before all of us as well. And for some of us, we just need to repent. We've been entertaining sin. We've tolerated sin. We've believed in the world's way of what they say sin is. We forget that God calls us to be holy the way that he's holy. And holiness doesn't mean perfection. It means to be set apart, set apart for him to bring him glory. So if you're here and you just want to surrender your heart to God, I want you to stand. When I had the two containers in the front, I had to put hearts on both. But now this is your chance because you hold your heart. You're the one that decides what container you will be in. I want you to stand today. And don't do it for anyone else. You do it for yourself today. This is a day when you look at your own heart and you realize that you have to come before God. You need to surrender. You need to ask for forgiveness. So I'm going to give you a couple moments and allow you to tell God, you whisper to God, asking him for forgiveness, asking him to cleanse your heart and life, surrender whatever you need to surrender. I know some people are still seated that need and should be standing. Don't be fooled to think that there's no consequences to the sins that we allow in our lives. The sins that we allow in our lives will lead us in paths of destruction. So I'm going to give you a few moments so that you could pray. Father God, we come before you. We just put aside all the fakeness, all the things that, all the fake smiles or all the things that we might have in our lives that, that prevent us from being real and coming before you with an open heart and mind and soul and spirit. God, we just surrender everything to you. God, we declare that you're the Lord of our lives over every single area. God, forgive us for every sin that we've committed. God, forgive us, Lord God, for everything that we've done and even sins that we've done that we didn't even realize. 
We surrender and give you permission to do whatever you need to do within our hearts and lives. God, take away anything that doesn't belong. Amputate anything emotionally, spiritually, within our lives that don't don't belong, Lord God. God, we just want you, Lord God, and to walk and follow your will, Lord God. So God, we just raise our hands even now as an act of surrender. And Holy Spirit, just just as you did in Genesis chapter 1, when you hovered over the waters that were formless and the darkness, God, even now we just ask you that you would hover over our lives, that you would hover over our hearts, mind, soul, and spirit, that you would hover over us, God, and bring to life and bring to birth the newness that you have for us to have, Lord God. We give you permission to do whatever you want. We love you, and we declare that you are our God. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you, live in victory, and we'll see you next week.